Radius fam, and welcome to our second episode of the Radius Story on Radius Conversations. I wanted to take a few seconds at the beginning of this episode to clear up a few things about what this podcast is. First, my name is JT Reeves, and I'll be your host today. Completely forgot to say that last time. Um, And secondly, our book and this podcast and all the stories we're telling are not meant to proclaim the name of Radius Church in any way. Um, These stories are only meant to give glory to Jesus Christ, where all glory is due. Um, And thirdly, these stories are directed toward the Radius family of churches in Lexington and Irmo and Saluda and Columbia. If you're at one of these campuses, this is for you to better understand where we come from, what we're passionate about, and, and how the Lord has worked over the years. If you're not a Radius person, it's a great opportunity for you to celebrate what the Lord has done with a little part of his capital C church, the Bride of Christ. So today we have with us two very special guests. Once again, John Reeves, whom I will call Dad, because he's what my dad. What happened to his accent? That's what I want to know. What happened to JT's accent? <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when he gets formal on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah don't have your accent uh, and new to this podcast the one and only widely renowned Chris CB yeah, it's getting better <laughs> Chris we're already familiar with dad um, but go ahead and tell us just a little bit about yourself for a minute as we get started sure uh, my name's Chris CB and uh, Lexington is my home has always been my home and we moved here uh, we being Courtney and I Got married uh, after finishing Clemson, moved back to Lexington, where we have uh, planted our family. Um, We uh, spent some time on staff at our church, so we've worked here for a little bit. We've served uh, for a long time and uh, just recently um, launched out on a new adventure to do uh, some marketplace stuff, starting a couple new businesses. Uh, Three kids, Lil's 12. Frankie, or excuse Braxton is uh, 17 and Frankie's 18. And uh, anything you could do to auto tune my voice and make me sound stronger, <laughs> bigger, more muscular would be appreciated at this moment. And you are the longest reigning staff person. Yeah, all I time am. At this point, I am. Yeah. At 10 years. At 10 years. Kirk right. probably chasing you. He's trying, but we'll fire him before he gets there. We'll come up with some exactly scandal right. and make him leave. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Michael Funderburk's in there. He's yeah. been in there yeah. seven. Yeah. Uh, seven? Yeah. I, I, combined, I'm, I'm getting on that. Yep. Combined. Yeah, we count your time out, though, against you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, again, today we will be doing our seven questions. Might squeeze in eight and five minutes apiece for each question and we'll start with more of a chronological approach today walking through the first couple years of Radius Church Um, and so let's start with DCF Downtown Community Fellowship in Clemson South Carolina that this was your first church plant and Chris you were actually there as well sitting on the back row I have very little to do with it (laughs) but I was there so I can tell you I can tell you some of the things your dad did wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can yeah we moved uh, Cheryl and I moved to Clemson Uh, my brother was a linebacker at Clemson so that was the motivational factor uh, to get to see him some and we had been talking on the phone he hadn't uh, he just he just felt like there needed to be a church in Clemson so we moved there 1995 I believe, and 
I started a business, a great name for future businesses for you, Yard Dog Landscaping. It was creative. Uh, <laughs> I went and bid on a variety of properties and had no idea what I was doing, but it, was, it ended up being great. It, it uh, gave me time uh, to flex my time so I could run that business and, and start this church. So we, uh, we started with a little gathering of people and we, we met in a little tiny school. Chris, when did you come? Did you come when we were in the school or... I came when we were in a school. I also did the bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were Charlie a couple T's, bars, Wings Charlie T's, and, yeah. and then eventually merged into a Ramada. Is that right? That's right. A yeah. ballroom got rented. Yep. Yeah. And right. then landed finally in an old printing press. That's right. From uh, some good times. Yeah. What did you think the first time you came to church in a bar? I thought these people were crazy. <laughs> My parents thought I had uh, found a cult. I'm sure they did. Yeah. Uh, they weren't the only ones. They met at night. And so that was different than what I was used to, uh, which I thought was great strategy because, you know, uh, in the day, blue laws were in effect. So bars couldn't be open. So there sure. were obviously lots of real estate available on Sunday nights for free or low rent. That's right. And uh, but what I would want to what I would want folks to listen to, and, and this is probably where a lot of the creativity of Radius came from, and uh, and the hustle, yeah, is because I would see you standing any number of places giving out lemonade. I would hear of cars being washed. There would be stuff happening on Bowman Field, and and it was this culture that began to form up this church that I think is what attracted people to be a part of it because you you had. A lot of college kids that had lots of time and lots of energy, but little direction. And and what DCF did was it, it gave direction to that group of kids, but then it also put pressure on other college ministries because I remember FCA had to step up their game and Campus Crusade and RUF. And, and, and I think the, the gospel climate in Clemson began to rise because of the work of DCF. It was a, it was, it was a fun season where we, we learned as we went, but we certainly... As you use the word hustle, which is true of radius, we I, I, I remember probably totally against the law. I would turn my hot water heater up to two hundred at night, <laughs> and then I'd come in with igloo coolers in the morning, and I'd fill them with water out of my hot water heater until it was empty. And then we'd go on campus, and I had this mix from my uncle's vending company, uh, and we'd mix up hot chocolate and give yeah. it out. And we just had styrofoam cups and gave them out on campus. And you had to convince people that it was really free. So you'd actually put it in their hand, like real aggressively. And they'd be like, no, I don't want it. I'm like, yeah, you want And, and we just we just <laughs> relentlessly pursued people that way. It was, it was fun. It was just fun to interact with real people. And that's certainly overflowed into our radius days. Yeah, it was. it's, it's foundational probably in who you and your family are. Your family's always hustled, but in, in who our churches become. Uh, yeah, because uh, on a college campus, the only person sticking something in your hand was the credit card people. That's exactly and, right. And with, the with the two liter. With the two liter or the right. t-shirt. That's right. And, uh, and you had to compete with that and, uh, and, and really change people's mindsets about church because before that, the only time you saw people on a, church, on a college campus was usually some angry old guy hollering at you that you needed to repent. Yeah, exactly right. Because uh, he knew what was happening in those dorms and in that downtown. And, and so it was, it was a unique way for the little C church to stand out as being different and to extend a really warm welcome mat to a bunch of students trying to find their way in life. One of the cool things that happened was um, we really began to have this worship culture at Radius where students would come to worship. Jeremiah Jones, who we'll get to meet here in a couple of days, led worship and we kind of Students would just come to sing. They do seven, eight, nine songs. Oh, Seems like we were there for every wedding because our air didn't work. Yes. And um, 
The cool part was I, I really thought our, our young church began to grow, not because certainly not because of my preaching, but more because of us reaching out and then because our folks really worshiped. Folks would come to watch that. They really worshiped. And I also remember uh, allowing the folks that attended the church to serve in the church and, and Salim Khalil on the bass. Yeah. A guy named Brad Scott played drums. Yeah. But those were all local. Hey, he was good. Where's he, he at? He's great. I think he's, he's in Greenville. Brad, if you're hearing this, we got a spot for you. <laughs> right. But uh, he, you know, just letting folks serve because, you know, the the culture of the church at that time was watch the paid professionals. That's right. And and this was this was an invitation for everybody to come and participate in making the church something special. That's right. JT, if you ever want a great discipleship strategy, you go cut grass all day. <laughs> And you wear your steel toe boots into one of the cafeterias and you sit down with a stranger and you start talking about Jesus. It was just, mm -hmm. the, a lot of it didn't make sense, but the Lord honored just hard work, mm -hmm. hustle. And so you go from there at DCF and fast forward about six or seven years and suddenly there's this new church plant in Lexington, South Carolina called Oasis. Um, and then in downtown Columbia, there's this other new church plant called Radius. Chris, you're more familiar with Oasis, so let's just begin by talking about what brought you to Oasis. What was a typical Sunday? Um, why were you drawn to it? And, and Dad, you speak into this too. Yeah, we had uh, just had our second child, Braxton. We were at home, I think it was in the first few days of him getting home, and uh, John knocks at our door. And he had a styrofoam container, two of them, with uh, food from, what's that place? from the high school. Yeah, a really good uh, little country place. Home cooking. Yeah, yeah. home cooking. Yeah. And so he won us over, not with the power of the Bible, but with the power of the plate. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and all he did in that moment was he just let us know he was in town. He, he remade the connection back to Clemson for us, uh, let us know some of our other f friends that were going to be involved, and just extended a real clear invitation to learn more about what was happening. And, and so we visited. It was weird. Um, and, and I say it was weird for me because I, I'm used to uh, pews that are bolted to ground. I'm used to uh, very formal church architecture. I grew up in a Methodist church here in town. My folks were great, took me to church every Sunday. And, and had you asked me before, I really thought the Lord was sending us back to Lexington to participate in that local church. But it turns out, you know, now 17, 18 years later, I believe the Lord sent us back to Lexington to be a part of Radius Church and to serve here, and, and your dad's knock on the door was just the beginning of that, that invitation. So we had uh, moved into a, a building that wasn't our own, that was a really generous church here in town that was uh, going to break up. Is that what churches do when they... Yeah, they were, they were disbanding. Disbanding, yeah. thank you. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and so they were very kind. That's probably where some of the generosity of our church began to infuse uh, Rick Parks was the leader there, yeah. and um, we we just we inhabited their space. Uh, Jeremiah Jones was leading worship that felt really familiar from the DCF days. John was preaching that felt really familiar from his time speaking at FCA on campus, and then at his church DCF on Sundays. And so uh, we went to something is what I call as weird as it was. It was still very familiar, and it had some really warm faces involved in it. So another one of my highly strategic decisions, decided to do that in Lexington and start something downtown that we call Radius. 
and uh, actually worked okay for a little while. I preach in the morning and go home, hang out, and then I, I ate a baked potato every Sunday afternoon, and I'd study. I wasn't smart enough to preach the same message both places, so I'd study for the second message, and Jeremiah and I would go downtown, and we'd reset that coffee shop. It was actually, it was a, it was a cool year. It was, it was just odd, but the, for our folks to learn, and at the beginning of a church plant, you're just you're, you're going to Chrisibi's house and you're taking a meal. And then there, there's a few guys downtown and I'm catching them for lunch. And, and the cool part about our culture here at Radius has been, that was my job as a church planner. That's how God designed me. But then all, all kind of other guys have picked that mantle up. And Chris still doing it, still meeting with guys. For him, it's Chick-fil-A. Um, you know, uh, for, for others, it's other places. So we've met the restaurants in Lexington. <laughs> they benefited from, they have benefited from <laughs> our church. Yeah, as a we from their food. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's people who sell bigger pants. They <laughs> exactly. benefited too. I've had to move to Zoe's <laughs> for that very reason. Yeah. So it was, uh, that was how we started. It was a lot of across the table stuff. Um, and then, then even on a Sunday we would, which I thought was really fun. We would all go eat at the same restaurant. So we, we used to go. What's the one by the tennis courts? Oh, Bellatinos. Bellatinos. Bellatinos, yeah. yeah. Your mother still loves Bellatinos. The lady would hook us up with special bread. And it was just really good time of, um, one, making disciples, but but two, getting to know each other and having fun. And it's, it's those people, it's those contacts you made that uh, I think I think have to be mentioned because a lot of them are still around today. Like there was that group of single ladies. Yep that I, I think carried our church through some really fragile times because they just showed up and did work and, and they had time and they built community. Uh, and, and then there were a group of young men, younger men that would get up and pray. That's right. And, and fragile is just a good word because that's kind of how it feels in those early days. There were some days I just felt like we left and I'm like, all right, we're not going to make it next week. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, exactly right. and just remembering back to some of those names that put in, you know, hours and hours. They weren't countless hours because I, I do think the Lord honored that time. But, you know, just a lot of appreciation for some people in those early days that really put sweat into making this thing what it is today. Big time. Big time. So that's 2003, 2004. That's mm -hmm. right there at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So while we're on 2003, 2004, before we move on to the merge and Midway Elementary, I just want y'all to talk about uh, let's talk about best ideas from each of you. I had all those. <laughs> yeah, he did after I seeded them. And, and, and he just owned them. So, yeah. so Chris Seavey's best and worst idea, Dad. Whoa, man. Actually, Chris has had lots of creative ideas. He's had lots of bad ideas. He's had both. We, we're similar in this way. Um, ideas, man. So one of the ones... That uh, just simple, he would take something like uh, we, we wanted to care for our neighbors. At first, we would cook cookies, and, and then the way Chris works, he's always got a contact somewhere. So, and, and sometimes it works to his advantage to have this contact. So, he ends up with, I don't know, a thousand Otis Spunkmeyer cookies or whatever. Yeah. Is that how you said that? Yeah. Spunkmeyer? Yeah. And we get, so we give them to all the people that we have at Radius, and they take them and give them to a neighbor. We, we're just, we're just driving this, this, quality that we wanted Radius to have but at the same time he really likes cookies so it kind of worked kind of worked to his advantage but it was, it was it was a great idea and he had like he has a lot of those and our, our church has just experienced it with the chicken and the produce we just at the beginning of COVID he usually has something creative and and a lot of times it's outward looking which has really blessed our church throughout its history 
far as bad ideas, though, dumbest ideas, most of those connect to uh, announcements. There, yes. there have been some announcements that I am so glad we do not have recorded. One of them had to do with no, his process of showering, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Oh, I wasn't even here, but people calling me. I'm out of state. They're calling me about this particular announcement, which I'm sure yeah. was moving, moving to all. I have no idea what it had to do with the gospel or the Bible. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes your mouth gets ahead of you, and that one did for sure. So, yeah, thank goodness podcasts weren't, weren't the thing <laughs> right. we started. That's right. So, uh, switching it over, John Reeves' best and worst idea yeah i think best idea i if if we're doing the yearbook uh best idea then it's it's got to be movies in the park that worked good then. it did uh it was innovative in columbia so 10 years ago we never heard of a big screen really never heard of we we used to call them powerpoint projectors you know didn't even know the official term for them That's right. but we went all in on that equipment and a popcorn two popcorn machines and a bunch of coolers yeah, bought them from another guy it was his idea originally so i was i was networking well you did it and uh and so i think that that was it wasn't very strategic in terms of planting a church in Lexington or in Columbia, but it was super strategic in wanting to serve the, the most amount of people as possible. And during the summers, we would set up, we would create a schedule, we would uh, show movies week after week, and, and I, I would say that over the course of its lifetime, we served thousands of people. No question. And, uh, and you know, news outlets would come promote us, the paper would promote us. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of inside you know, with the with the folks from our church working together, it's great. A lot yeah. of shoulder to shoulder time, um, a lot of experimenting on your gifts, where you feel figure out if you can evangelize and share your faith with a homeless person mm-hmm. sleeping in the park that night, or That's right. uh, even experimenting with the protection side of being a man. Is is you you know sometimes you have to push somebody off and say, hey, this isn't your spot and. It was just a really good formative time for our church. Andy Ott came into his own, figured out all the uh, Duncan Fleming <laughs> videos. Yeah, yep. Duncan Fleming. That's right. Yep. So that touches. We got one more minute left on this question about. You didn't, um, didn't come up with a worst idea. Oh, he did it. He's saving you. That's a long. That's your, that's, long that's the that's <laughs> the loyalty of a son right there. <laughs> his brain. He his said, brain was doing it. Just yeah, too many of them. He said, "I want an inheritance. <laughs> I am not letting Chris tell stories about my dad." <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, our worst ideas were, I, I think, just the ones that didn't have time to cook or communicate. <laughs> I know you're saving me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and I think they were all done around finances. We were just yeah. so footloose and fancy yeah. free with our money. We didn't yeah. have any money, and we spent it like we had it. Which yeah. usually meant we borrowed it from somebody that didn't have it, and that's right. And uh, and and I, I just think just our our recklessness with uh, we we would ready fire aim. Yes, we did. And uh, <laughs> and and that got us into a, more than a few pickles. Had to dig out of a few ditches because of that. Yeah, yeah. that's where we met Dave Ramsey and financial peace. <laughs> and we should have met him earlier. We should. Glad. Hey, dad, to that one of the things I thought like the things when when you're going through. These are fun things, best and worst, but one of Chris's best practices is truth-telling. So he ends up in situations still today in relationships with folks who are ready to hear the truth. And, man, we just have folks taking this in right now that are so thankful that he was willing to get get all the way to what the truth was, which is which has been, you know, a quality of our church, and hopefully it'll, it'll maintain. It's a quality of the church. It's who the Holy Spirit is, the spirit of truth. But 
that's been a uh, that's been a pretty cool legacy. Thank you. You've laid out with a bunch of friends now. They you at the moment you need, they need to hear a little truth and then they become great friends often. They do, and it was but it was modeled to me. Yeah. We there there's some folks that were here early mm -hmm. that recognized a really immature, arrogant mm -hmm. young yeah. guy, and they were kind enough to uh, accept a, a a meal. You know, whether it be a breakfast or a lunch, uh, they would accept a phone call. And, and while I'm, I probably get too much credit for that, it, it really comes because it was taught to me. Mm. And uh, that being modeled, being around men that are brave enough to tell you, because, you know, surprise, surprise, we live in an area of our country that is not known for truth-telling. Exactly right. And, uh, and I believe that is one of the ways that Radius has differentiated herself is by standing on, we, we want to tell the truth, and, and getting to that last 10%. So, mm -hmm. attaboy, Radius Church, or girl. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things uh, we emphasize telling the truth on is actually prayer. Mm -hmm. And one of the lines in the, in the Radius book is um, that the importance of prayer cannot be overstated in the early stages of Radius, which is a quote from one of our previous elders. So I wanted to ask you two, why was that true of that time? And how did y'all learn to pray? How did you teach others to pray? I got that. So uh, I had never done that before. Like this idea, like, you know, I grew up in a culture where you, you prayed three times on Sunday in, in the order that it was prescribed to us. <laughs> and then you prayed before your meals. And then you try to get one in, you know, before you fall asleep. In this idea of this conversation, this relationship you could have with Jesus, this ongoing fellowship with the Holy Spirit was foreign to me. And, uh, and, and I remember the first time we prayed together, sat in a circle at the building on Park Road that LCC was kind enough to give to us. And uh, I did not know what I had been invited to, and I did not know what I showed up for. <laughs> at some point, because I'm immature and less godly, I'm, I'm looking around thinking, certainly these people have fallen asleep. This thing went on and on. But over time, what you realize is, no, these are good men and women that are putting their heart before God, asking him for something that we couldn't see and begging him to honor it. And, uh, and so that took on a bunch of forms. You got us up early. Yes, you kept us up late. Uh, it, it was in every event. And, and I think it's one of the better foundational blocks of Radius. Yeah, I just don't think you can... Uh... So if you're a church planter, I don't think you can plant a church that's healthy without praying. So we, we did all kind of, some of them were creative and some of them were just basic. But we established a foundation by praying, making this a spiritual activity. We did all kinds of tangible things, right? So some of our dumbest and best ideas were tangible where we gave stuff out. But uh, the depth of radius came from, from men and women praying. We did that in a variety of ways, or really early in the morning, we had these little sailings, like tell the truth about yourself. So when you prayed, you prayed the truth about yourself out to the Lord, which, man, if you can't pray the truth in front of God, you can't pray the truth in front of anybody. We'd say pray the truth about God, which was just a season where we'd worship. Then one of the things I love we did was we would pray for our neighbors so that we we uh, made that a spiritual activity instead of just, just, just activity. So we knew that the Holy Spirit actually would have to move some of the people we love the most to believe. And we got some amazing stories through the years of folks that have prayed and prayed and prayed. I got a couple of, of friends that have come to Christ uh, because we did the tangible, but we also we, we also established it spiritually. And tell the story about, 
I heard it from several people in, in interviews about uh, the dominoes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, telling people to write names on, on those dominoes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I had that idea like two hours before the service. But I, I um, by the grace of God, ended up with white dominoes. So they were, I went to Walmart and bought their, their you know, normally the dominoes are black. You couldn't write on, but these were white. And so I, I brought them to church and I gave three to everybody. And uh, I can't remember if I did HD or at a church and we had Sharpies. And they were supposed to write the name of three people that they've been praying for. Laurie Kesey's got some amazing stories with her dominoes. But a lot of folks, they put their dominoes like over their kitchen sink. or in, I, I had mine in my cup holder. And we just start praying for those three people assuming that if they believe that they'd fall into the next person so that there'd be this domino effect of one person believing and then sharing the gospel with a son or a brother or a friend and over the course of time make a big difference and funny enough just yesterday cleaning out my desk and i found my dominoes whoa and and so they sit on a glass cup uh, on a shelf right in front of my desk and I'm still in community with a guy that met Jesus because of that activity. I remember that story. And, uh, and, and he, his name's Robbie. He lives in Houston, Texas. And when we met, to, to show you the, the man I was, I think he called me a spoiled, rotten, rich kid. <laughs> <laughs> and that I had a yeah. silver spoon in my mouth. And so to say we were adver adversarial would be light. Yep. And then over a course of years and, and some time and some prayer, like we became legitimate friends uh, and, and then eventually brothers in Christ. Mm -hmm. And he still calls and tells me, he's one of the few men that'll call me and tell me that he loves me mm -hmm. and that he's proud of me. And, uh, and it just means a ton, but that came out of that idea of the dominoes and uh, his family benefits from those early years. And he has gone on to be a part of a local church that a friend of ours, Chad Clarkson, is a part of. Okay. And, uh, and so the world... Our world just kind of connects and collides with the activity of Jesus, uh, and, and it's, it's good. So the dominoes were a great story. So you might be seeing some dominoes come back out, Radius Church. Huh? <laughs> we relive that one. That's a good one. And so as we talk about prayer, two different groups are, are leading the, the church oasis and the church radius at the time, and some, some overlap between those leaders, but they're also praying together um, early, early on Wednesday mornings. And so... I want to talk about the merge between Oasis and Radius because all of a sudden Oasis sold that Lexington Community Church building that they just received a year before and now Oasis is without a building and Radius is meeting in a coffee shop. So walk us through this time period and the next few decisions. Yeah, so uh, again, I'm, my strategy probably wasn't great to start two things at once. So there's so my side of the street, I'm I'm tiring a little bit of leading both groups, and then I'm also uh, feeling like the two groups have a lot in common. We both groups were really young, so the, so our average age was. I mean, I think I was 35, and our average age was significantly younger than me. We always called Link Keezy the old guy, and he was probably your age right now, at 40s, early 40s, a little bit older than me, yeah, 45. So uh, we just, one of the ways, I didn't know if it worked to merge the two together, but the way we did it was we brought a group of guys from both places and we just started praying early in the morning, which created this great spiritual chemistry between 10, 15 guys. I think we prayed at 5 a.m., so there's some no-shows, I won't name them. But uh, there was, it was just a great season where those two churches came together 
and really we we determined that we needed to be in Lexington, which was painful for the folks from downtown because it was, it was they were giving up something that they really wanted for downtown. And at the same time, we we kind of we tried to meet in the middle at Midway. That was like the most, and it was the only place we could get. So it worked out good. I mean, it was at the time it was difficult, but because of all the prayer that we did together, that that gave it a uh, a level of uh, I don't know. It made it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Gave away that building, and I mean, we sold the building, cashed out, and uh, we're able to give the money back to the original church, which was pretty cool, and they distributed it. Um, that, that was one. Of, I think that's one of our greatest stories. I do too. It was, it was fun to see them take that money and give to missionaries all over the world, and then they were generous to us. They gave gave a little bit of that money back to us, and we were able to put a little bit, a good chunk of that money back to us, and we were able to put it to good use. And, and you talked about, so the group wasn't forced to merge. No. The group wasn't uh, coerced. It, it it came from within. There was a certain amount of time we'd spent together. We would pray, and then we would go eat at Cracker Barrel. Yep. And just as much work would get done at Cracker Barrel, you know, as far as the shoulder-to-shoulder stuff, as, as it would, you know, with your head bowed asking God for something you couldn't see. And, and really, at the time... I mean, the description of asking him for what you couldn't see is true because we had no idea what we were dreaming about. We're asking him to form up our dreams. Yep. We're asking him to give us favor, and we're trying to exercise some faith in the process. So when, when you plant a church and you don't own the keys to the building you're in, then that makes for a really fragile scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving yourselves into Midway uh, you know, is, is scary, potentially. Uh, leaving... A coffee shop that we've been in for a little while, scary potentially, and then letting go of a dream. It, it, it had a lot of complexity to it, but um, one of our consistent prayers has always been for God to give us favor. And I believe that's one of the times where he did that and, uh, and, and really convinced a, a group of people that were strangers that we wanted to be family. Yeah, it was, you know, what was cool about it, I was thinking that when you sent me these questions, JT, was uh, that actually led us to Midway Elementary, which uh, certainly pulled those two churches together. But what we didn't know was the Lord was beginning to forge a relationship with Lexington One. So, like, this is our first interaction with Lexington One. Mm-hmm. I was, like, the only one with kids in school. So it wasn't like we had the school connection. But that's become a big part of who Radius is, is our intera- how we love to work with the public schools in our towns now, not just just Lexington. And uh, that, that's that's a pretty. We just finished Give Hope, so that, that's a really big part of what we believe in, is that we could cut into our community through through the school system. Hmm. And so, Radius White Knoll has met in the school now, yep. and Radius Rocky Creek yep. has met in the school. Armoga, Armo, Saluda, Lexington. So, can't really be a Radius Church. Southside, I don't know what we're gonna do with y'all, but <laughs> everybody else has. So. Then you move into the Midway Elementary School, which you may not have suspected you'd be there for the next seven years. Nope, did not. Chris, uh, you spent a little more time there. Uh, talk about the the rhythm for each Sunday. Talk about the atmosphere of Midway and the location of Midway. Yeah, the uh, the atmosphere, if this were a chapter in a book, you should call it chaos. <laughs> Because that's what it feels like when you go into a school. You know, the the school is a school Monday through Friday, and then on Sunday morning really early, you you bust through the doors, you pull apart everything that they have set up to feed their children lunch during the day, you set up chairs so that folks can sit in rows and face the stage, and uh, 
you set up a, an ad hoc kids area, you try to host some type of food element, and then you do it all for a few hours and then you tear it all down. But the beautiful piece of being in a school or being in what, what's called a portable scenario is that process convinces your soul that the church is not a building. That's right. And when you live in our part of the country where there's a church on every corner, you can begin to fool yourself that the church is a building. Hey, I'm going to church. And those years were really healthy years for me personally, and I think for our church corporately, because we saw the church at Carolina Wings whenever we would all go eat afterwards. We saw the church at Rushes when we would see people there, or at Lexington High School when we were going to games, or at you know the, the different places like Murray. And, and when we saw people, we knew that, that that was our church, and that was our church people. And it was just a really good time. Uh, there were a lot of days that I wondered if we were going to make it. <laughs> you know, when, when you're new and 100 people show up, you think you're killing it. And then the next week when 20 people show up, you think you're doomed. And, uh, and so it, it was a really, the fragile word is an accurate word there. But fruitful is another word that has to be mentioned because that's where a lot of our leaders begin to show themselves. That's where Kim Lyle Tina Butterfield, uh, Andy Ott, you know, some people that are still here today really uh, helped cement this thing that, uh, that has gone on to produce lots and lots of fruit. Yeah, that, that you use that line, uh, the church is not a building. Selim Khalil was certainly one that would ring that bell all the time, and, and Selim was one of our very first elders here at Radius, he also would uh, ask the question, "Who's your? What's your neighbor's name?" So, so one of the weird parts when a church is brand new, you get all kinds of folks. You get some folks that don't know Jesus. You get folks from other churches. And so, one of the things we began to do that became who we are is, is if somebody came in and had a question about some intricate part of theology, Celine would because he didn't know the answer probably, but he, he would turn around and ask them what their neighbor's name was, which was just this great way for us not only to check them, but for us to hold this value. Hey, we're going to do what God asks us to do first, which is to know and love our neighbor. If you don't know their names, really impossible to know them. So we're certainly not going to talk about predestination or premillennialism or any of the uh, many syllabled words until until you know your neighbor's name. And there was some really good, like just strong things that were being established, even though it was chaotic. I mean, who knows who's going to preach that Sunday? I remember Jeremiah Jones would sing and preach some Sundays and uh, we had guys that have never spoken before take the stage. We, we tried all kinds of stuff in that Midway Auditorium. And so we go through Midway, and then all of a sudden, Dad, you are moving out of the picture. <laughs> yep. So dun, dun, dun. <laughs> one of the things I've, I've tried to do throughout the Radius book um, was to tie some quotes from the interviews. And Chris, actually, the reason I wanted to do that was because one of your quotes was great, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and so let's talk about the Rees moving to Greenville and why you told Dad, I think you are wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, it wouldn't be the first time <laughs> I've told him he's wrong. It won't be the last. Uh, but in this particular instance, you, you've got a, a you've got me as a young guy. I've, I've said immature a few times just because it's accurate. I'm I'm trying to figure out how to be a husband, trying to figure out how to be a father, trying to figure out how to work a job and pay bills and just keep things going. 
And, and from my perspective, our family had just thrown in in the biggest way in this new church that, that felt like it was being held together with dental floss. I mean, it was just <laughs> razor thin margins on money and time. And we were always together. And, and, you know, when you're in a church that meets in a school, you really live and die by the, uh, the worker that the school assigns to That's open right. and close for you. And so Mr. Mike for us is really probably one of the reasons why Radius still exists is because he was willing to open and close for us. But at any point, at some time in our story, uh, John, Cheryl, and your family goes out of town, comes back, and having felt the leading of the Lord in their lives, decided that they were, you guys were moving to Greenville. And, uh, and, and you know, your dad was cool to share it with me. I think we did it over a meal. And like most of my worst quotes, I didn't think before I spoke, but I did. I told him, man, I think you're wrong. And the reason why I thought he was wrong is because of everything I just said before. Like we were so new and people were moving to town to be a part of this. And we had the potential and, and there was this idea and the answers weren't there yet. And it, it just felt like the wrong move at the wrong time. And me being confident of John being wrong, I wanted to let him know. So I, I did. I let him know in the best way possible. Yeah, it was a crazy season where I felt really confident that this is what the Lord wanted. And at the same time, I, I probably just naive to how fragile the church was. And yet we had this young group of elders. They prayed over it, decided that it was the right thing to do. And so we made this crazy, again, as far as our story at Radius, this is one of the craziest decisions we've ever made to send me up there. And for that matter, we helped Radius Greenville buy its first building, raise the cash in a couple of weeks. It was, it was just, it was a, you know, looking back, absolutely seemed like the wrong decision based on just straight up wisdom. But, you know, we were really convinced this is what God wanted us to do. And it's kind of shaped Radius that we would send our best. We would send our last dollar. And we've done that. And then that wasn't the only time we've done that. We've had to, We've had to put it out there to live up to this value that we say we want to plant churches. And actually what we've begun to learn is that planting churches helps us make disciples. Mm. That the stress and when we stressed the church that time, though, you, a bunch of you guys stepped up in all new ways that probably didn't anticipate. Yeah, and, and I think the, the bigger principle that's being lived out in front of us in this story is, is the idea that the Reeves since DCF have just done what God put in front of them. You, you did it when you served hot chocolate on campus or washed cars or rented an old printing warehouse. You did it when you moved to Atlanta. You did it when you moved to Columbia. And this was just another step in that story of, of what God had put in front of you. And, and it's really what we want for the folks of our church. That's right. if, you're, if, if you're taking in this podcast and you find yourself driving on I-20 somewhere, then, then you ought to ask, you know, what, what does God have in front of me? And uh, there's this great author, Bob Goff, and, and he just illustrates this in a book, Love Does, where he says, just get up every day and do what the Lord puts in front of you. Mm -hmm. And it's honoring to the Lord. And, and I believe that's one of the reasons why Radius Greenville exists. And there's a great after-school facility, the Frazee Center that's there. That's right. And Stuart Fuller's there. Yeah. And, and so in retrospect, if you take it back to the beginning of the story, like, had I been right, <laughs> yeah. none of that would have happened. That's right. And and so you know, praise God. Yeah. That you weren't wrong. And uh, <laughs> How about that? occasionally, uh, occasionally, one time, you yeah. weren't wrong. I hope and, you sure was listening to this. 
and uh, and you were obedient, and and I think multiple multiple groups of people benefited from that because that spawned Texas, that spawned Iowa, you know, and it and then brought you full circle back here. That's right. It's it's an interesting, you know, just setup that the Lord has given me from a spiritual gift standpoint, which makes me responsible for some some odd things. But for our folks, being obedient to the Lord and being sensitive to what He's saying is. That's core to discipleship. And on that note, as we wrap up with our last question, I snuck one more in. All right. What is one thing listeners should take away from this podcast? I'll give each of you two minutes. And, Dad, if you could start. And, Chris, you finish this out. Yeah, I thought, I think sitting across from Chris at this table, um, the reason we can do this is, just because of a deep friendship that we have in Christ. We've been through all kinds of stuff when I've lived here and when we've not. not. And, man, for our folks, that all started with truth, us telling each other the truth in, in a religious thicket. At the time, I was the older guy. He was able to walk Chris down some roads that he needed to walk down. But then that transitioned into being just really good friends, and we've been able to give that back and forth through the years and and love each other, enjoy each other's families. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what right there for the taking for our folks at Radius. It doesn't matter where they're at. Like, it doesn't matter how in the ditch they're at right now. They can come out of the ditch and create a relationship with somebody, give somebody permission to tell them the truth and share the truth across the table and have Christ in the middle of that. And the deepest friendships are formed that way. They, you know, that uh, produce fruit by, you know, shoot, we, get, we can sit here all day and tell you our bad decisions but because of the movement of both that relationship between us and the Lord and our relationship across the table, the Lord's kind of taken our gifts and put them together and uh, brought himself some glory. So we're, we're thankful for that. The Bible tells us to give, and our world tells us to watch out for people who take too much. Mm-hmm. And, and if you had done that, we wouldn't have been friends because when we met, I was only set up to take. Mm-hmm. And what what happened over time is that you know we we moved from a a teacher student type of a relationship to uh, you know more of a peer peer absolutely and and i think that's what you're describing and you know right now our world is is all worried about somebody taking something from you but believers in jesus are supposed to give our stuff away we give our time away we give our money away and and that's what we want you know, for the relationships at Radius is is don't be afraid to give everything when someone can't give anything because you never know when one day you'll be, you will be sitting across the table enjoying one another because of what God did in, in our lives. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's just, it's just a unique societal shift right now. You know, they, they tell you you're supposed to, it's 50-50 mm-hmm. and, uh, and you just don't see 50-50 modeled in the Bible. That's right. Give it all. And we, we're dreaming about that for, if you're taking this in as a Radius partner, that's, that's why Radius is here. We want that for you. We want those kind of friendships and that kind of depth of relationship, friendships that exalt Jesus, but also accomplish his mission. So we're excited, so really excited for y'all to take this in. And that's all the time we have for today. So thank y'all, Chris Seavey and Dad, for coming out today. And for y'all who are listening, a couple of pieces of homework for you. Number one, the tagline through all of these stories and all of these episodes is know your neighbor's name. So that, that's really what we're hitting very hard throughout all of these podcasts. And number two, just a practical thing for you to do maybe right after this podcast is take a minute and speak the truth about yourself to God in prayer um, and speak the truth about him in prayer. 
Next week, we'll have Todd Carnes and Brian Kirkland as we continue to tell stories, confront culture, and speak truth. We love you.